0: From KMOX Sports. Young swings and it's a high fly ball. Millikens
1: win! Millikens win! This is Sports Open Line.
0: It's a grand
2: slam! Touchdown, Kansas
1: City! On America's Sports Voice. Yes! KMOX.
2: Good evening to you. Welcome into the program, a special 45-minute edition. We will lead you right into Slew Bilkins basketball tonight. They are back at it as they are going to take on George Mason, a seven o'clock tip-off from over at uh, Shay Arena. Bob Ramsey, Earl Austin Jr. They've got the call for you with coverage beginning at about six forty-five, and I will take you up until then. If you want to join us as always, you can do so by calling or texting 314 436 7900 That's 314 436 7900 That's that's how you call. That's how you text. You can also tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauly on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Carter Chapley from the Post-Dispatch and STL today. He's going to be joining us in about 10 minutes. We'll talk uh, Billikens basketball with him. We'll also talk uh, St. Louis Cardinals baseball with him. Wanted to jump in with this, though. There was a report that came out yesterday. Uh, we've had him on in the program before. Uh, Maury Brown uh, covers the business of sports and uh, business of baseball for Forbes Sports. Uh, he had the revenue numbers for Major League Baseball this past season. And I thought it was interesting because revenue for Major League Baseball went past $10.8 billion. To put that in perspective, the prior record for Major League Baseball revenue was set pre-pandemic in 2019 when they were at $10.7 billion. So they have now surpassed Their pre pandemic levels when it comes to overall revenue. Now, there's inflation and those other things going on. So it's hard to completely understand those numbers, whether or not truly the revenue is more than it was before. But the bottom line is they're doing all right. And for them, it wasn't that long ago that sports was shut down. In many ways, the pandemic and COVID still impacts a lot of what's going on in our lives. And for baseball to be in a spot right now where their revenues are exceeding what they were doing pre-pandemic, that shows the health of the industry. That shows the health of business. And that also gives you an idea of why we've seen some of the spending across baseball that we've seen this year. Whether it's the Phillies, whether it's the Mets, the Padres, all these teams that have gone out and signed players. And, and these long-term deals where we're talking 300 million total value contracts that can be connected to this. And coming up, I mean, think where we were at a year ago where the lockout was going on and the owners are, are trying to tell you that they're, the money's not there and the players are trying to tell you that the money is there and everybody's trying to say something that kind of fits their narrative. Well, to quote Jay-Z, the men lie, women lie, numbers don't. We can see right here, revenue is up. Revenue is up for baseball. And I would argue I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that revenue is up. It's a good thing when teams uh, are spending. I wanted to do so yesterday. We had countdown to opening day, and uh, we generally do that on Wednesdays. We're not doing that on Wednesday this week because we have Billikens basketball. I'll kind of open up the curtain for you a little bit. That show is largely put together before it airs. We could do lots of interviews, things like that. Uh, obviously, it's running on the Cardinal Radio Network right now and some other markets. So it's pre-recorded because it, was, it aired on KMOX last night, things like that. So it's, uh, it is largely uh, put together ahead of time, and you have to get it to fit into a certain amount of time. And that's something that I work on after uh, Mike Claiborne and myself uh, are able to record everything that we need to record. Sometimes things get cut. This kind of reminds me. Remember when you would buy a DVD and you already saw the movie, but you wanted to see the deleted scenes? I'm going to give you a countdown to opening day deleted scene. This is something that did not make it into countdown to opening day yesterday, but I thought it fit really well with what I'm talking about here, where we're discussing the revenue numbers for Major League Baseball. Uh, Mike Claiborne and I myself were having a discussion about Carlos Correa because he agrees with the Minnesota Twins after the whole saga, starting with the Giants and then going to the Mets, and Correa ends up going back uh, to the Twins. And we were talking about the different teams that do and different teams that do not compete across Major Major League Baseball, and I didn't want to just leave this conversation on the cutting room floor, so I'll play it for you now. Uh, this was myself and Klab's, uh discussing some of the financial implications of what's going on right now across Major League Baseball. I feel like in baseball, there's a pretty clear line between teams that want to compete, want to win, and mm-hmm. have that commitment, and the teams that don't. And I probably would have put the Twins in the teams that don't category. Really?
0: Yeah. I, I kind of like their direction, though. I mean, they're, they're, they're not fancy, but they do a lot of little things well. I mean, they're, they're kind of like that team that's in transition from really committing as far as their young prospects are concerned and then trying to find a veteran here or there to make them more relevant within their division. Now, can they win that division? I don't know,
2: but I think they can make it interesting. It's a weird division. And in the NL Central, you have a team like the Cardinals that are going to go try to win every year. In the AL Central, you got teams that do weird things. You got teams that sometimes try to win, but don't know how to. I think the White Sox are a great example. They were all in, but they didn't make good decisions. Yeah.
0: And then the next thing they knew, they had a collection of players and not a team. Right. And so I I don't think they're going to be in the hunt. Um, Cleveland always overachieves? Yeah, yeah, what, what Francona was able to do with them. But I don't know how long you can maintain that. Although they have a lot of good young arms over there, so they might be around for a bit. Um, who else
2: jumps out at you? In that division? Yeah, in that division. I don't think Kansas City is going to be very Kansas good. Kansas City
0: won't be very good at no. all. No.
2: So to me, it comes down to Cleveland, Chicago, and now all of a sudden the Correa goes back to Minnesota. I look See, at him and say... Yeah, they, he makes them
0: relevant Yeah, now. And if they can keep him healthy with the other players that they've developed, they might be a team that could slip in because that, that division isn't one that I would call dominant. You know, it's not like being in the uh, National League East where all those teams are really, really good. Um, but in their case they can be good enough to win that division because Cleveland, although they won a division that last year, didn't really have a big footprint. But because they are like Minnesota, they've got a lot of young arms and they've got some young players that are starting to really take that next step. You know, Maybe it comes down to the manager and getting able to get the most out of those guys and staying healthy.
2: If Rob Manfred has his way, the future of baseball is going to look different in terms of not so much a National League, American League, differential. Yeah. There's going to be more pods. There might be four team pods all across and, uh, and, and things like that. And in many ways, that makes maybe a little bit more sense for if you take a step back just because there's less of an opportunity for there to be a division like the NL East with so many really good teams. And one of those teams probably is not going to make it in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, we are trending toward a realignment. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it happens after they announce the expansion teams. Uh, but I, I, I kind of see where you're going with this. And it's unfortunate because it might be the end of what we knew as the National and American League because they don't have presidents anymore. Um, and the two styles are starting to come closer together now that we ha- both have the DH. So it, it might have a different look. And, and But I don't think we'll see it in full swing until expansion takes place. And that may be two years from now, maybe three. It sounds like Nashville's coming closer to getting their situation squared away. Um, they
2: just added Don Mattingly to the group, I think no, I
0: saw? No, uh, he would be part of the group, okay. yeah. Uh, but he's going to be the bench coach up in uh, Toronto this year. So we'll see what happens on that front. Um, and what Mattingly's role would be with that new organization would be interesting. I, I know uh, there's a guy named Mike Schilter sitting out there. They might be good for that situation. I mean, there's going to be some people – that 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 organization might be as good of an expansion situation as we've seen in a long time. Not that we see expansion a great deal, but I think
2: they might hit the ground running. And people need to understand when it comes to expansion, there's a couple things going on. First off... Major League Baseball has to get the Oakland and Tampa situation figured Mm -hmm. out. They're not going to expand until they figure out where those two teams are going to be long term. But owners want expansion because of the expansion fee, the billion dollars or whatever it is. And then all that money will get dispersed to all the other owners. It is a major windfall once those expansion teams come in. There's no doubt. It's probably the biggest
0: income an owner can receive other than the TV money as far as that one lump sum payment of uh, of an expansion fee. Now, the only other side of that coin, do you, do you have to divvy up your TV money more, or does the TV money expand as well with two teams? I mean, I don't know how that works with regard to, you know, am I sharing it with 29 other guys, or are they going to give us, you know, what would compensate for two more teams as far as TV is concerned, so...
2: Well, Manfred wanted one more team in the playoffs than they actually got when they expanded. That was a that was yeah. a compromise. So we know what Manfred wants and it's it's I hate to say this, it's not going to be that long until another CBA negotiation, so you know, Manfred and the owners are going to go into that negotiation trying to push for an even more expanded uh playoff. What will be interesting with that is who will be sitting at the table
0: because they just extended Tony Clark. I'm not sure what Manfred's contractual situation looks like. Will he be around for the next round of negotiations? But you, you you make a good point. We all see what's on the drawing board already, and we just signed a deal last year. So everybody's now starting to look ahead to say, okay, well, that we're going to need money. That we're going to get money there. We're going to want more here, and it'll be it'll be something fun to watch because it'll all be about money. Then. It won't be about rule changes. It won't be about what the players need from a. Uh, a union perspective, it's about how do we divvy up the money and where do we get ours at.
2: That was a conversation I had with Mike Claiborne. It uh, unfortunately uh, got taken out on the cutting room floor yesterday for a uh, countdown to opening day. If you missed yesterday's countdown to opening day, which I uh, enjoyed doing, it included a conversation with Lars Newtbar. You can always head to KMOX.com or the Odyssey app. Find the Cardinals Conversations podcast feed, and uh, you can find the show right there. Uh, and it comes up uh, every week here on KMOX and across the Cardinals radio network. Up next, we'll talk some Billkins basketball, also talk a little bit more Cardinals basketball. Baseball. Carter Chapley joins us in just a moment. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Swing it along
0: with the left. That's a grand slam.
1: This is Sports Open Line. On America's Sports Voice.
0: What's down? Kansas City. KMOX.
2: Sports Open Line continues here on KMOX. Matt Pawley with you, as always. If you want to get in here, 314-436-7900, calling or texting. You can also continue the conversation on Twitter at Matt Pawley on air. When I read something that's really good, I tell you about it. And I encourage you to read it. Uh, there is something that just posted at stltoday.com today from Derek Gould. He went out to California to uh, talk with Cardinals third baseman Nolan Arenado And... Uh, It was really well done. I encourage you to read it. Uh, I'd also say this, and growing up in St. Louis, I didn't realize this until I went away. It is a very cool thing that the Post-Dispatch and STL today values their Cardinals coverage enough to send Derek to California to have that conversation with Nolan Arenado. That's not happening in most markets. The vast majority of newspapers are not sending their baseball beat writer in the middle of the season or in the middle of the offseason halfway across the country to have a conversation. I came here from Milwaukee where the big newspaper in Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, they didn't send a single person to the winter meetings. Like, this isn't normal. This does – in Milwaukee, they don't have a beat writer covering the Brewers for the Athletic. And we have Katie Wu who does such a, a, a fantastic job with her coverage. Appreciate the stories that are being told and the access that you're being given because it's not like that In most cities. So after I give you my plug for uh, STL today and the Post Dispatch, let's bring in a guy who is part of the team over there. Uh, He does cover the Cardinals and also part of STL Pinch Hits. Uh, Also does a lot of stuff uh, billikens related, uh, more kind of on his own and on his Twitter account. Uh, You can certainly uh, follow him on Twitter at Chapley Media. It is Carter Chapley. Carter, always appreciate you taking some time for us. How are you?
1: I am excellent. I'm looking forward to this Billiken game tonight. It's going to be a good one. I'm, I'm expecting and I'm always uh, happy to talk slew hoops.
2: Yeah, and we've got uh, the game 4 yard coverage is going to begin just in a, a little bit uh, just after 6:45 with Bob Ramsey and uh, Earl Austin Jr as uh tonight uh, I'm they're coming off what I thought was maybe their best played game of the year. Certainly one of maybe the top three uh, with that 78 55 win against St. Bonaventure Carter. I know you don't take too much out of one game, but does it feel like that could have been a moment where this team starts to kind of play to the level that we were expecting them to play to this year?
1: Well, that's a, that's a really good way of putting it in that it's the getting back to the way we were expecting them to right, Like, a get right game has to come. That's kind of what that was against St. Bonaventure the other night. St. Bonaventure in a bit of a down year, but an extremely well coached team with Mark Schmidt at the helm up there in uh, Western New York. But it's, I always like to say, like, winning streaks have to start somewhere. Like, the get right has to start somewhere. And that's a place where that kind of performance can really start. You can build from that kind of thing. We saw them do some different things in terms of sets they would run. We saw them play a little bit of a more dynamic basketball game compared to what they were doing, uh, a little more intensity on defense. And so those are the kind of traits in a win that you look for, even though one game against a team that's probably in the lower half of the Atlantic 10 this year, um, you try not to take too much out of it, you're right, but that's all the positive markers were there. So now you do it again tonight against George Mason, and you see if you can you know, if you win, win one last time, win one this time, the next one it's a winning streak do they have
2: to fight through a little bit of a letdown coming out of non-conference where they built that non-conference schedule to put themselves in position to make it to the NCAA tournament without winning the A-10 tournament? The opposite of that happened. With that coming to an end, do you feel like maybe it takes a moment or so for them to really reset and realize the way to get to the tournament, the way to get to your goals is a little bit different than what you thought at the beginning of the season?
1: Um, Maybe, for sure. That's something that, that, you know, from, in terms of a player psychological, the way the coaching staff has to approach things has to change. You have to go into it more thinking about each game as a win rather than as performing um, up to your highest possible standards, right? Like when you're trying to put together an at-large campaign, you're worried about uh, putting together really strong victory, like 20-plus point victories. You're playing it a little bit differently, uh, having your efficiency numbers look really, really good and, and playing that kind of basketball. Whereas now it's really just about, setting this team up for success for five or however many days it is in Brooklyn, New York, for the A-10 tournament, because that's how you're going to get to the tournament at this point. So now it's more about the getting the little things right. And if, if you lose a game here or there, that's not what you want. But if it's in the pursuit of something larger, which is being your best team for five nights or four nights in Brooklyn, that's that's what you need. That's how you, you get to the NCAA tournament that might change the way we see minutes get distributed. We saw Larry Hughes Jr., which, I mean, great to see a Larry Hughes back in in <laughs> Slough blue in Midtown, let me tell you. But, uh, he, you know, he got a couple of minutes the other night. You know, he's now getting double digits, and he's looking really, really good. And if you can have another guy who can come in and play quality minutes for you, that takes a lot of pressure off a guy like Gary Collins, who might need to sit for, you know, 60 seconds over the course of a basketball game in late March.
2: One player not participating anymore is Fred Thatch Jr. His career comes to an end with an injury. How much does that hurt this team, and, and how much pressure is it to kind of find guys who haven't been big contributors to find them a little bit more minutes in his
1: place? I mean, losing Fred is a basketball loss. That That's easy to quantify in terms of the way he plays defense. He leads the team in plus-minus. He has been, since he's been here going on five years ago now he has been the rock of this team defensively in a a lot of ways Uh, but what he you lose from him is his intensity his attitude the way he plays the game the way he carries his teammates that's hard to replace and I, I don't think it can be put on any one guy to try and replace him like that it's it's a it's a task too large for any one person especially this late in the year uh, fortunately, you still have him on the bench. Fortunately, he's still around the program to help out in that kind of regard. But it's an opportunity to get guys some extra minutes, that's for sure. Um, right now, it doesn't appear immediately obvious that there's any one guy who can step in and replace him, particularly defensively. Uh, he just does too many things. Like, if, if some might recall last year when the Billikins went to George Mason and won there in double overtime, he had to play the center position and guard Joshua Duro, who's a, you know, George Mason's first-team all-conference center and locked him down in double overtime. Like, that's the kind of defensive presence he brings. You're not going to replace that. But, you know, his career is over at SLU, but the one thing, you know, me and uh, you guys are going to hear from him later, Bob Ramsey we were talking about before the last game, is he is, in the life story of Fred Thatch Jr., being a SLU basketball player will be a footnote in the great career accomplishments that he has as a professional and as a human being. So I'm not too worried about him.
2: What's the attitude been like for fans that you talk to, whether it's just on Twitter or Twitter spaces, wherever? You, you interact a lot with Slew Billikens fans. What, what have you noticed? How would you describe that fan base right
1: now? Disappointed is the only way you can possibly characterize the, the fan base at this point. Disappointed, I mean, it's, it's an undoubtedly disappointing season thus far. I mean, they've set themselves up. This was supposed to be the proof-of-concept year. This was supposed to be the year that you look to this program and go, okay, they're they're not, you know, they're not so and so, they're not Gonzaga, they're not um, insert other Big East kind of mid major ish program, but you can see how they get there. You can see how this team can be successful enough and recruit the right players and play the right basketball to over the next ten years become that kind of program, and it didn't happen. It really, and it didn't happen to the tune of like losses to programs that you shouldn't be losing to any year, let alone in your, in your peak year. Um, So disappointment is absolutely the, the, you know, that's, that's that's where, that's where fans are sitting. Uh, There, there is another group of fans that kind of understand it. Like while the year is, you know, kind of lost in the sense of getting an at large bid come March, there is still a lot of basketball to play and a lot to prove amongst certain guys, right? Like the, the, there is still, what, something like 17 more basketball games to play at least. So I think fans are just hoping to see some kind of a turnaround, some kind of, you know, getting to that potential, reaching that ceiling that was promised or expected at the beginning of the year. And that's kind of where the the two factions sit at this point.
2: Carter Chapley continuing to uh, join us. Don't want to get you out of here without talking a little Cardinals baseball. John Mozeliak said here on KMOX uh, this past weekend to Tom Ackerman, fans should not be expecting another big move this offseason. There's a lot of ways to take that, and there's a lot of reasons. Like, yeah, he, he specifically mentioned making sure that doors weren't closed for some younger players, whether it's you know, this This year or moving forward, they don't want to do things that stop the development and stop the opportunities for younger players. But what is your general takeaway from the idea that the big moves for the Cardinals for at least the offseason seemingly likely done?
1: Well, I'd love to, if, if I could have asked him, I would have loved to ask, what do you describe as a big move, right? Because like perhaps a big move, like a big move by his standards, because they've done it before, is Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt and Wilson Contreras. That's a big move. That's a really big move. Are there moves that are, you know, maybe not big by that standard, but impactful to this team, getting a, you know, impactful starting pitcher, getting a, this, getting a, that, that maybe by his standards aren't big, but are still helpful to this pro to this program. Listen to me talking about pro, team like it's a program this, to this club. Um, is, is that, is, you know, are there moves that are coming that aren't big by his standards Maybe. I mean, that might be what he's saying, but I mean, if, Let's pretend that's not the case. Let's pretend that he what he's saying is that like anything major is done in terms of like okay going to trade with the Marlins for a Pablo Lopez or something like that. Like that's not going to happen. That would be rightfully disappointing from the fan base. This is the front office that came out and he said what was it three months ago? We're going to spend payroll is going up. We have to not just compete with the NL Central. We have to compete with the rest of the National League to win a playoff series. I mean uh, they. No one made them say that, and they did. And then, Now, I understand Like, there's lots of rational reasons why you go, well, we didn't do that because we tried to do X, Y, and Z, and it didn't work. And spending money just to spend money is a waste of time. I, I would agree with that. Just going out and spending cash on someone just to say it's a big move because it's a lot of money is not a great idea. But that doesn't mean fans shouldn't be disappointed when you come to them and say, we did literally one thing this offseason after saying we're going to do a lot more.
2: There are a lot of questions to be answered, and that's, that's what scares me about the club. It feels like in many ways there's more questions than answers. You look in the outfield, there's really nobody out there with a multi-year track record. Uh, you look on the infield even, and there's not a whole lot of track records on the middle infield, obviously there is. You look at first, third, and catcher, and you kind of know what you're going to get, and then there's a lot of question marks everywhere else. If those questions are answered in a good way, which is possible— they, they are a really good offensive club, and they stand up to a lot of these other teams in the National League. But at the same time, if if those questions go in the wrong way, if a Tyler O'Neill has a repeat season, if a Lars Newbar can't replicate his second half, if a Brendan Donovan can't repeat what he did last year, uh, this team may not be able to compete. And, I, and That's the thing that, for me, I don't even know what I'm trying to ask you, but the bottom line is here, that's for John Moselock, that's the challenge here, because... These things could really work out in a good way or they could work out in a bad way and you don't want to stop people from having opportunities, but you also want to have some redundancy and some protection in there.
1: Yeah, I mean absolutely. What what you're asking this team to do is to have career years out of all the guys you're hoping to have career years out of, right? Getting le getting career averages out of Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt and and uh Wilson Contreras and and at this point, I'd put Tommy Edmond in the yeah. track record category because, like, that's kind of like, he—he's now done what he's done for a couple of years. Now we kind of know what that is. Uh, could he have a big breakout year? Sure, but like, let's pretend he ha- he does doesn't—and I mean, it's just his league average, which is still a really—I mean—Gold Glove winning infielder, you know, high co- like top half of the league, middle infielder probably. Um, but let's so let, but we kind of know what we got there. But otherwise, you're asking a lot of guys who have not had repeat success to have repeat success, to compete with the rest of the league. And I'm, I mean, like the law of averages suggests one of those guys does it again or gets back to form, right? One of Lars Newbar, Dylan Carlson, um, uh, Tyler O'Neill, Brendan Donovan, Jordan Walker, who, if, you know, if he's the guy who comes up and makes the, the, the stand, you know, one of those guys is bound to have a repeat year, you need all of them to to be competitive, not just in the NL Central, but the entirety of the National League. And Carter
2: Chapley joining us here on Sports Open Line here on KMOX. Got to uh, we got Slew Billikins basketball coming up uh, here in just a moment or so. Do want to uh, remind you follow Carter on Twitter at Chapley Media. Read him uh, in the Post Dispatch and STL today. One more break. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up and get you to Billiken's basketball. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX.
0: It's
1: a grand slam this is sports open live on america's sports voice
2: Kansas City. kmox about a minute to go in this edition of Sports Open Line here on KMox, we've got Billikens basketball on the way next as uh, they are in action this evening trying to stay above 500 in A10 play. They'll take on George Mason. They're coming off one of their uh, most well-played games of the year. They knocked off uh, St. Bonaventure this past weekend winning that game 78-55. They'll really try to uh, recreate that effort tonight as they take on George Mason. Bob Ramsey, Earl Austin Jr, they've got the call of the game in just a few minutes here on KMOX. Do want to mention the Blues before we get out of here for the day. They get a nice win yesterday, knocking off Calgary by a 4-3 score. Robert Thomas scoring the winning goal in uh, OT just 28 seconds in. It looked like uh, he had maybe given them a win late uh, in regulation, but then a goal was waved off because of an offsides call. So uh, he eventually scored the game winner in overtime. And the Blues are playing some pretty good hockey right now. They've won 4-5. or five. They'll play Calgary for a second straight game coming up tomorrow night at the N- Enterprise Center. That's going to do it for this edition of Sports Open Line. Thanks so much for being tuned in, and uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow right here on KMOX.